What is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, we are digging into a single question. Do you need to reverse diet? So when it comes to reverse dieting, there are a lot of common claims thrown out there. Things like reverse dieting supercharges your metabolism, you can lose, gain, and maintain on much higher calories after reverse dieting. Or if you or one of your clients can't lose fat on low calories, you need to reverse diet. Or even you must reverse diet after weight loss to prevent gaining the weight back. My client increased their calories and got ripped reverse dieting. So lots of claims are thrown around about reverse dieting, but are they true? Now, if you haven't reverse dieted, are you potentially missing out on some serious metabolism boosting benefits and dooming yourself to a life of under eating? You have questions? Today's episode has answers. Let's get into it. Starting with the question, what is reverse dieting? So reverse dieting is a common practice in the fitness and bodybuilding worlds. Generally, the reverse dieting process looks something like this. Post-diet, you very slowly increase calories, usually about 50 to 100 every one to two weeks until you reach your maintenance intake. So for example, let's say a coach was working with a client who had gotten unsustainably lean for a photo shoot. So they were lean past the point where they had good biofeedback, good hormones, good sex drive, um, and basically just feeling pretty shitty, like you will if you're getting to the level of of leanness that most of us would take to a photo shoot or bodybuilding show. The client's current predicted maintenance calorie intake, aka the amount they can eat to maintain their current body fat, is 1,800 calories, and they're currently eating 1,200 calories, let's say. So using the traditional reverse dieting method, rather than immediately returning the client to their current estimated maintenance, they would be given increases of 50 to 100 calories every one to two weeks. Thus, it would take 10 to 20 weeks to return the client to their estimated maintenance. Now, the next question is, how does reverse dieting supposedly work then? So the thinking behind the method that I just described is, by slowly increasing calories, you give your metabolism time to speed up to match the small increases. Not only does this keep fat gain to a minimum, but also builds up your metabolism, sort of like gradually increasing weights in the gym makes you stronger, which allows you to both maintain and lose on more calories in the future. Now, all of this sounds great, but unfortunately that's not really how metabolism works. So metabolism can be defined as the sum of all the stuff your body does to burn calories. Really, we can divide your metabolism up into four pieces. We have basal metabolic rate, or BMR, which is the calories burned for basal processes to stay alive, like your heart pumping, breathing, etc. Even if you spent the whole day in bed, your BMR really wouldn't change. And BMR accounts for approximately 60 to 70% of daily calories burned. We have the thermic effect of food, or TEF. See, it takes calories, aka energy, for your body to digest the food that you eat. TEF also varies depending on the food you eat. So protein um, has the greatest thermic effect without, with about 20 to 35% of the calories being burned off during digestion. Carbs, about 5 to 15% of the calories are burned off during digestion. And fats, about 0 to 5%. And TEF accounts for approximately 10 to 15% of daily calories burned. We have the thermic effect of exercise, or TEE, which is, of course, the calories you burn while exercising. And TEE accounts for approximately 5% of daily calories burned. And finally, we have non-exercise activity thermogenesis, or NEAT, 
So calories burned through movement outside of exercise, aka fidgeting, walking around the house, blinking, pacing, all these account for NEAT. Now NEAT accounts for approximately 15 to 25% of daily calories burned, but it does vary drastically person to person. So next, now that you understand the basics of metabolism, let's talk about why metabolism changes when you're dieting or when you're increasing calories. So as you get leaner on a diet, your metabolism decreases because A, your body is smaller, so basal metabolic rate decreases. You're eating less food, so the thermic effect of food decreases. The thermic effect of exercise decreases because it takes fewer calories to move your smaller body and non-exercise activity thermogenesis decreases as you feel lethargic due to lack of calories. Plus, levels of the hormone leptin decrease, which in turn leads to an increase in hunger, which of course increases the odds you'll eventually overeat, and a subconscious desire, or a, excuse me, a subconscious decrease in energy expenditure. This is known as adaptive thermogenesis. Basically this, as a whole, these these factors that downregulate your metabolism are known as adaptive thermogenesis. As you eat more and gain more fat, the opposite happens. Metabolism increases, hunger decreases. Leptin increases, which causes hunger to decrease. Now, your metabolism, the most important thing to understand here is your metabolism isn't just some invisible force that's trying to screw over your fat loss efforts. It's also not something we can just ramp up indefinitely with reverse dieting. It's mostly just a product of one, your current body size, two, your current food intake, and three, your daily movement. So now that that's clear, the question is, so does reverse dieting really work? Now that you have a solid understanding of metabolism and how we burn calories, let's separate fact from fiction by working through some common claims about reverse dieting. So let's kick it off with reverse dieting misconception number one, which is this idea that reverse dieting supercharges your metabolism, allowing you to diet and maintain on higher calories in the future. So again, to eat more calories than you could before and maintain your weight, you must be burning more calories than before. Now, you know that the four ways our body can burn calories, aka metabolism, are basal metabolic rate, the thermic effect of food, the thermic effect of exercise, and non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So being able to eat more and maintain requires an increase in one or more of these factors. So if we look at basal metabolic rate, typically the larger you are, the higher your basal metabolic rate is. Now we can really only increase this by gaining weight, which means either A, adding fat, or B, adding muscle. Now adding fat will speed up your metabolism, but the goal of most reverse diets is to avoid fat gain. Adding muscle is part of why people's metabolisms can increase slightly over time because muscle is metabolically active tissue, meaning that adding extra muscle increases the calories you burn at rest. But it's not a huge difference. Daily you'll burn about six calories more with each additional pound of muscle that you gain. Most of the metabolism boosting benefits of adding muscle come from the fact that you're moving a heavier body and thus burning more calories. Next, we have the thermic effect of food. Calories burned during digestion increases, of course, as you eat more. But since a relatively small percentage of the overall calories you eat in a meal are burned through thermic effect of food, 
eating more calories strictly to increase the thermic effect of food doesn't make sense. You're now taking in more calories not burned during digestion as well. So increasing the percentage of calories consumed from protein is a smart strategy to increase thermic effect of food. And it does seem that protein is harder for your body to store as fat, but to avoid digestion issues, eating enough fat to stay healthy and for most of us to eat plenty of delicious carbs to fuel our training performance and recovery, a diet of strictly protein isn't realistic. Most people will tap out eating more than about 1.5 grams of protein per pound of body weight. And we have the thermic effect of exercise. So when you eat more, you can A, train more. So eating more calories to an extent means better recovery and therefore the ability to train more frequently without overdoing it. B, train more intensely. More energy, aka calories, also typically increases our ability to output energy, again, to a certain extent. Now, both of these factors mean that eating more usually leads to more calories burned through training. That said, the increase in calories burned here won't be massive enough to skyrocket your metabolism, and you have to remember you're eating more calories to create these effects in the first place. And then finally, we have non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Now, people's need varies a lot with how it responds to increases and decreases in calories, more on this later. Um, and really, a large part of NEAT, which again is how much you tend to fidget, pace, and blink, is genetic. We can get clients focused on moving more, so for example, hitting a step goal, but again, this requires the client actually physically move more to burn more calories. So unfortunately, there's nothing here we can really quote-unquote supercharge by reverse dieting. If you want to be able to eat more and maintain your weight, you can either A, move more, or B, increase your body size. All right, moving on to reverse dieting misconception number two, which is this idea that lots of people get super lean on reverse diets. Now you've probably seen many posts on social media about someone who seemingly got shredded while reverse dieting. So let's use a hypothetical client, a coaching client example to illustrate why things might not be quite as they seem here. So a client starts coaching with the goal of getting leaner. They're quote unquote eating 1400 calories, but not seeing any fat loss. The coach increases said client's calories to 1700 per day and the client immediately starts losing two pounds per week, uh, a scenario we see quite frequently. Now, is this reverse dieting voodoo magic? Well, first, let's consider what it takes to lose weight. Calories in must be less than calories out. Of course, we can make it more complex than that, but basically calories consumed must be less than metabolism, which again is the thumb of, or the sum of basal metabolic rate, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, the thermic effect of food, and exercise. Now, this is the law. Again, like we can make it a lot more complex than this, but again, calories in or calories consumed must be less than calories out, aka calories burned through metabolism to lose fat. This is the law of thermodynamics and something we can't ignore. So we know if the client wasn't losing eating 1,400 calories per day, calories at the time calories in were, cal were equal to calories out. So the client was eating 1,400 calories, but also burning 1,400 calories per day. We also know that losing one pound of fat per week requires eating 3,500 calories less than maintenance intake. So to go from maintaining on 1,400 calories per day to losing on 1,700 calories per day, 
Something about eating just 300 more calories per day would have had to increase the client's metabolism by an extra 1300 calories per day to cause them to lose two pounds per week versus maintaining before. So to ensure that this is still making sense, if the client wasn't losing on 1400 calories per day, then we know that they were burning 1400 calories per day, but they were also taking in 1400 calories per day. That was their maintenance intake. Losing one pound of fat requires eating 3,500 calories below maintenance calorie intake. Um, and again, maintenance intake is 1,400 for this client, we're assuming. So eating 500 calories below maintenance every day for a week would equal one pound of fat loss by the end of the week because 500 times seven is 3,500. And again, 3,500 is what we need to do. 3,500 below maintenance intake is what we need to do to lose a single pound of fat per week. So or in like whatever time period. Um, so here again, like we we're saying, if the client's maintenance was 1400 before to lose one pound of fat per week at that intake, they would have had to eat about 900 calories per day. Now, if the client is truly eating 300 calories, just 300 calories more than before and losing two pounds more per week, that would require the client burning an extra 1300 calories per day versus what they were eating before. So if the client was previously eating 1,400 calories and maintaining calories in or equal to calories out, losing two pounds per week requires calories in to be 7,000 calories below calories out across the course of the week. Plus the client was eating an additional 300 calories per day um, that must be accounted for. So to go from maintaining at 1,400 calories to losing at 1,700, the client's calories out slash metabolism would have had to have increased by an extra 1,300 calories per day or 9,100 calories more burned per week. So in a scenario where assuming that the client isn't training and or walking for hours more per week, there's really no possible mechanism by which for some reason just adding 300 more calories to their diet is causing them per day, is causing them to burn an extra 1,300 calories per day or 9,100 calories per week. What's often happening here is simply the effect of being coached. These people likely aren't eating more calories than they were before when you look at the entire week rather than like a single low calorie day, but rather they've improved their measurement accuracy, food quality, and are eating macro ratios that align with their goals now. Plus, they're now likely following smart, well-structured training programs. This is something we see all the time with new clients, but it's not actually caused by the fact that people are eating way more calories. So really, instead of saying, thanks to the reverse diet, this client is now eating 500 calories more per day and is ripped, it should be, hey, I got this client to measure her food super accurately and she realized she was eating more than she thought. She's also following a smart training program now and is more consistent with both training and nutrition. All this added up to a pretty big body composition shift. Now, can you lose fat reverse dieting? Absolutely. If you're increasing calories but still eating fewer calories than you're burning, you'll keep losing fat. But again, it's not magic. Sometimes over a reverse diet, people will initially see quicker weight loss despite being in a smaller deficit. Now this is because dieting can lead to higher cortisol levels and water retention. A lot of times weight can be stuck for weeks even though we know a client is in a calorie deficit due to the amount of water they're retaining. More calories will reduce stress levels, which in turn reduce cortisol and water retention.
So reverse dieting misconception number three is this idea that your metabolism is extremely slow after a diet and reverse dieting is the only way to prevent regaining the fat. So you hear horror stories about people getting super lean and then regaining the fat overnight. And reverse dieting is usually pitched as the solution to this. Now there is truth to the idea that after a long fat loss phase, your body is primed for fat gain. So as we lose fat or lose weight, our fat cells shrink. Smaller fat cells produce less leptin, which leads to an increased appetite as leptin decreases, ghrelin, aka the hunger hormone, increases and decreased energy expenditure. Two, if you are super lean post weight loss, your body wants to restore a body fat percentage that seems quote unquote healthy. Again, some body fat is a prerequisite for many of the hormones you need to feel good. Extremely lean individuals often just don't have enough fat to feel healthy. Three, you experience this quote unquote want as excessive hunger signals and low energy. And this combination really makes eating excessive calories hard to avoid if you enter the post diet phase without a plan. The weight regained is preferentially stored as body fat. So basically the fact that you're really damn hungry, moving less, and burning fewer calories with your now smaller body creates a situation where rapid regain is likely if you don't have a plan post diet. Now having a plan post diet is of course incredibly important and a huge part of why our clients get such sustainable results. It just doesn't have to follow that traditional reverse dieting model that I described before. Now, something that is crazy important to understand here is that the above description sounds terrifying and it does make it seem like regaining body fat would be an inevitable post diet. But realize that this is your body's protective mechanism that kicks in when your body fat percentage has dipped below what your body deems as healthy. For most individuals, this means getting extremely lean for a photo shoot or a bodybuilding show, aka what we would consider unsustainably lean. You can get to a sustainably lean physique without having to fight your body nearly as hard as described above. So yes, while your metabolism does adapt and downregulate to match your smaller body size, it is not broken or quote unquote damaged. All right, reverse dieting misconception number four is this idea that many overweight individuals are eating less than a thousand calories per day and need to reverse diet before being able to lose. So you'll also often hear people say something like, but I'm only eating 900 calories and I still can't lose fat. Now, this is a big driver of the popularity behind reverse dieting actually. I know I struggled with this at the start of my coaching career, both with myself and with clients. We were both seemingly eating low calories, but not losing. Now the truth, we're usually just not good at tracking calories accurately. In fact, a 2002 study showed that even registered dietitians underestimate their calorie intake by 223 calories per day on average. And that's enough to gain a half pound of fat per week or two pounds per month. Now. I always use the example of a client who started coaching with me in 2019. She couldn't seem to lose any fat despite the fact that she was tracking her food and only eating 800 calories per day. Now we immediately increased her calorie intake drastically. I think we nearly doubled it if I recall correctly. And she lost 1500 or not 1500, 15 pounds in the span of a few months. Now was it the actual calorie intake that caused her to lose? No. This client also happened to have a job where she worked around food all day 
and was forgetting to track the little bites and nibbles she took, which it turned out added up to well over 500 calories extra per day. Plus, a higher calorie plan was easier for her to stick to, and she got a lot more consistent on the weekends, which is another reason why a more moderate approach to dieting generally works better. This is the crux of why so many people that quote-unquote can't lose on super low calories suddenly seem to be able to lose when eating more food. Eating super low calories tend to drive people, tends to drive people towards quote-unquote falling off for one to two days per week and effectively negating any calorie deficit they created with the low calories days through the week. So these individuals will always feel like they're dieting hard but never actually see any progress. Now most, but not all, will find a more flexible approach is easier to be consistent with and thus will yield quicker fat loss after just a few weeks because they've been more consistent. I've been on hundreds of calls with new online clients over the last few years and at least 80% of the time, the new client has said, and they're often coaches themselves, that they're eating a surprisingly low amount of calories and not able to get as lean as they want. Now, even with advanced clients, we'll always discover large gaps in their tracking, often not tracking at all for a few days of the week, largely guesstimating the weekends or tracking like three-fourths of a day. Really, it's most often like there's two to three days of the week that are untracked. Um, so again, it can make it seem like, yeah, I'm in a deficit most of the week. I don't know why I'm not losing. Now again, we could easily claim this client started coaching eating blank cap, super low calories, but in reality, we know they just weren't tracking everything they were eating, but now they're losing eating much more calories. But again, really, they're eating less than before. They're just tracking more accurately. Now the other side of this equation is NEAT, which again stands for non-exercise activity thermogenesis. As you'll remember from above, NEAT does make up a big chunk of your metabolism. Research seems to show that the biggest difference between the metabolisms of lean and obese individuals is the amount of calories they burn through NEAT, which can impact energy expenditure by up to 2,000 calories per day. Now, a large part of how many calories you burn through NEAT is genetic, as we mentioned before, but we can somewhat make up for this by setting a daily movement goal. Now, most people who are tracking food accurately but still aren't losing aren't tracking the other end of the equation, which again is daily movement. If calories in, aka food intake, is constant, but calories out, aka calories burned through movement, is constantly fluctuating or unaccounted for, it makes complete sense why someone wouldn't see the results they expected from eating a specific calorie intake, because they're only accounting for half of the calories in calories out equation. Now, if you're working with an obese individual who's seemingly eating very low calories and not losing weight, it would be wise to one, educate them on the importance of accurate tracking, adequate protein, and daily movement goals. Two, encourage them to get blood work done to ensure that the client doesn't have something like a thyroid issue, which reverse with dieting of course won't fix, that could actually be the cause of solid fat loss if they are truly eating such low calories. Again, dieting is hard on the, on the body when individuals push to get very lean, for example, prepping for a bodybuilding show, and full hormonal recovery can take six months or more. But that's a completely different context than an individual who has seemingly been dieting for a decent period of time, but is still in an unhealthy body fat range. In cases like this, it will seem like the client is eating more and losing due to more accurate tracking and more movement, but actually stopping fat loss to reverse diet 
simply because the client client has been quote unquote dieting for an arbitrary amount of time is likely actually detrimental. All right, and finally we have reverse dieting misconception number five, which is this idea that individuals that have previously dieted on low calories but reverse dieted up to super high calories will have it quote unquote easier next time they diet. Now from my experience as a nutrition coach, most clients metabolisms fall into one of two categories. We first have adaptive metabolisms. Now for these people, when you eat more, your body automatically increases the need to compensate. So again, think subconscious fidgeting, blinking, pacing. Their body adapts to higher calorie intake by increasing calories burned through movement so weight stays the same, even with calorie increases. People like this can typically maintain at a relatively high calorie intake, but the reduction in NEAT when they decrease also means they have to drop calories lower than expected to lose fat. On the other end of the spectrum, we have people with rigid metabolisms. Now, these people see see very little or no increase in NEAT as a response to overeating. Thus, fat gain is a bit easier. But on the bright side, these people usually don't have to decrease calories as much to lose fat because calories burned through NEAT don't decrease as much as it would for an adaptive metabolism. So to prove this idea, a 1999 study fed 16 people 1,000 calories over their maintenance intake per day. Weight gain between individuals varied from 0.8 pounds to 9.3 pounds, which is a massive difference in eight weeks. And the change in NEAT between individuals also varied wildly from negative 98 calories up to 692 extra calories per day. So some people actually moved less because they were eating more. And some people burned a whopping extra 692 calories per day. So basically, the six the 16 people in the study had crazy different responses to eating the same calorie surplus. There's a huge variance in how people's energy expenditure via NEAT will respond to overfeeding or underfeeding. Now, this is another reason why we see so many stories about people who were previously dieting on very low calories, but now can maintain on so many more thanks to reverse dieting. They're simply people with more adaptive metabolisms. When they're fed less, they tend to move less. When they're fed more, they tend to move a lot more. So those with with adaptive metabolisms almost always seem like quote-unquote hyper-responders to reverse diets because they'll usually have to diet on lower calories. But as they're fed more, they ramp neat way up when eating more and thus can maintain on higher calories. This creates a very large gap between the calorie floor they must drop below to lose fat and the calorie ceiling they can increase to without gaining fat. The disparity in total calorie intakes will honestly usually be quite impressive. Now, the thing is, even though the the client's reverse diet calories will seem very impressive, they'll still have to take calories low the next time they diet. Now, if the client built a decent amount of muscle between diets, is more mindful of their step goal, and or is eating more protein than before, they will be able to lose on slightly higher calories than before. But if the client had been doing things in a mostly quote-unquote smart manner before, their calorie intake needed to get to the same level of leanness as before will be pretty similar to what it was on the previous diet. So a note to the coaches listening, with clients you know have more adaptive metabolisms, it makes sense to be more aggressive out of the gate in a fat loss phase rather than wasting time with small calorie adjustments as they'll almost always just need larger decreases. So Next, let's dig into the smarter approach to reverse dieting. So the mistake a lot of people make is trying to reverse way too slowly 
and often staying at an unhealthy level of leanness. What ends up happening is you spend months extra in a deficit, which usually correlates to feeling and training terrible. This leads to months of wasted time that could have been productive training and making progress in the gym. Now, again, the reality is we all have a certain body fat percentage we need to be at to feel good, train hard, and actually allow our body to prioritize building muscle. No amount of reverse dieting can make up for the fact that if you're sitting below this point, you won't, feel, you won't build muscle, feel good, or have healthy hormones. So basically, being a bit more aggressive coming out of a diet to a degree makes sense. When reverse dieting, we need to consider the desired outcome, which is to get your hormones and training back to a good place. Now the problem is, if you're just reversing out of a diet extremely slowly, you're still in a deficit for another 10 to 20 weeks. That means another 10 to 20 weeks where hormones and training suck until we eventually reach maintenance and then your body can start to recover. Now this begs the question, if the goal of the reverse diet is to recover, why not just take you to your new maintenance quicker? Now, of course, your new maintenance will be lower with your smaller body, but again, why not just jump to maintenance quicker? Unless your goal is simply to maintain, the sooner you can get back to productive training, the sooner we can get back to building the physique you want long-term. Spending actual time eating more food and building muscle is the best way to increase your metabolism and make getting lean easier in the future. So finally, let's dig into the reverse dieting process that we use with our online clients. Now, Again, as you just gathered, our online, our online clients still usually follow a reverse diet protocol post-diet, but rather than slowly backing out of a deficit to maintenance, which again seems to be pretty pointless, reverse dieting is simply our way of finding how high we can push a client's calories post-diet without them gaining excess fat. Now, understanding where this ceiling is, one, makes it easier for clients who are content with their current bodies to keep their results because they know the most calories they can eat and maintain on, and two, tells us where we need to set calories to hit a target rate of gain for clients entering a building phase. So as you'll remember, across the course of the diet, your metabolism is going to downregulate due to adaptive thermogenesis. Now, when we start feeding you more and your body senses more energy coming in post-diet, your metabolism will start to speed back up again because you're eating more, so the thermic effect of food will be increased. You will also have more energy due to the fact that you're eating more, so NEAT will increase. Now, due to increased energy, you'll also likely be able to train harder and thus burn more calories through training. And many will add back a bit of weight via muscle mass, muscle glycogen, and gut content. A heavier, more muscular body is one that'll burn more calories both when moving and at rest. So what we're doing in the reverse dieting process is trying to match these gradual increases in metabolism with your calorie intake. So let's dig into a general outline of the reverse dieting process we use with most of our online clients. First, when you've achieved your fat loss goal, we'll start by bumping your calories to 80 to 90% of your new estimated maintenance intake. So let's say you started the diet 30 pounds heavier than you are now. 30 pounds ago, you maintained your weight at 3,000 calories, but again, your metabolism slows across the diet. This means your new maintenance intake will be lower than your starting maintenance intake, so don't jump back to where your maintenance calories were at the start of the diet. To make calculating your new maintenance intake easy, let's say you've been losing one pound per week for the last four weeks. Now again, we know that to lose a pound of fat, you need to be eating about 3,500 calories below maintenance intake. 
Um, so this tells us, again, you're probably, if you're losing one pound per week, you are probably in about a 3,500 calorie deficit per week. And let's say you've been eating 2,000 calories per day. So again, since you're losing one pound per week, we know that you're about 3,500 calories below maintenance intake or 500 calories below maintenance per day. So we can assume to maintain your weight, you could eat 2,500 calories per day or an extra 3,500 calories per week. So to start the reverse diet, we're going to bump you up to 80 to 90% of this estimated intake just to make sure you don't overshoot that and actually gain, gain fat. So 80 to 90% of 2,500. Now we prefer this lar large initial jump with clients because being in a calorie deficit, again, is just very taxing both physically and psychologically. It's very stressful and not something we want you to spend unnecessary time doing. So we're gonna bump you up close to your new estimated maintenance as quickly as possible. Now from there, we just wanna gauge how your body responds to the initial jump in calories. We're watching clients' body weight changes, measurement changes, and biofeedback closely. So as far as body weight goes, the first week of the reverse diet, most women will gain about two to four pounds of water weight, and most men will gain about three to five pounds. You're taking in more carbs and eating more total food. So glycogen stores are being refilled. Basically, your muscles are going to take in more carbohydrates, which are also going to soak up more water. This will help training performance and recovery. Plus, you literally just have more food weight, aka gut content in your belly. So the thing to realize is, this isn't fat gain. It's glycogen, water, and gut content. Now, as far as measurements, as always with our online clients, we're assessing how measurements are changing not just looking at weight. We have our clients take measurements around the chest, right arm, two inches above the navel, at the navel, two inches below the navel, around the hips, and the right thigh. We're looking for these to more or less stay the same, except for the two inches below the navel mark. This is the measurement that's the most reactive to gut content, so it's normal for this to be up just a bit. It's also normal week to week to see plus or minus 0 0.25 to 0.5 inches measurement change increase or decrease, but they'll bring themselves back to baseline over the next one to two weeks if you're truly at maintenance. So avoid freaking out or overcorrecting here if you see measurements shift just a bit. As far as biofeedback, we want to see hunger and cravings decreasing, motivation, energy levels, training performance, and recovery improving. And finally, we need to also touch on mindset here. It's super important to stay just as focused and pay just as much attention to detail during the reverse diet as during the fat loss phase. Um, and really this is a big part of why being coached through this process yields such good results. This is how we get you to the point where you can maintain your current body composition at a higher calorie intake in the future, but you must absolutely attack the process. Again, after achieving your initial fat loss goal, it's very easy to just lose focus and regress. Now, this is why you always want to have a target that we're working towards three to six months down the road. So with clients, we're always reestablishing. Where are you headed in the next three months? What are we working towards? This is how we help you as a client keep your results long-term because you're always focused on the next target. Now, after week one of the reverse diet, we'll gauge how your body reacted to the jump in calories and adjust accordingly. Typically, the first two weeks of the reverse, macros will stay the same. After the first week of initial increases, we're looking for measurements and weight to essentially stay stable during week two. Now, from there is when we're typically adjusting calories. So given weight and measurement stayed stable or biofeedback is still poor, we're gonna add in another 50 to 150 calories depending on the size of the individual and see how your body does with this. 
Now through this entire process, we're constantly assessing your weight, body measurements, and biofeedback. So how's your training? Is hunger decreasing? How's your mood? How's your motivation? All things that should be improving as we're feeding you more and more. For some online clients, this process continues for quite some time, but for most, it will take about four to eight weeks. So as far as macros go, no matter the nutrition phase, clients are going to be somewhere between 0.8 and 1.5 grams of protein per pound of body weight. 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight is this consensus threshold we want to hit for protein. But really, we prefer to have most clients somewhere between 1 and 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. For fat intake, we need to ask, is the client below 0.3 grams of fat per pound of body weight? So basically, we're not gonna, no matter what, we're probably not going to take the client below those marks for protein. For fat, is the client below 0.3 grams per pound of body weight? We know that below this intake, hormone production is going to be less than optimal, and you're more likely to, to develop fatty acid deficiencies. Really, we can think of 0.3 grams of fat per pound of body weight as the minimum fat threshold we need to hit. So if you're below this mark, bumping fat up to 0.3 grams per pound of body weight plus will be the first priority when increasing macros. If you're already consuming 0.3 to 0.4 grams of fat, we're gonna start the reverse dieting process primarily by increasing carbs. As long as you can check these two threshold boxes for protein and fat, increasing carbs will produce the quickest improvements in how you feel as a client. So training performance will improve, recovery is gonna be better, you're gonna have more energy, libido will increase, and carbs will decrease cortisol and aid hormone production as well. So stress is gonna be lower, all across the board and you'll feel better all around. So typically we'll increase carbs to 1.2 to 1.5 grams per pound of body weight as a first priority, assuming you're at the protein and fat thresholds. Now what we do from there is very much where the individualization aspect of online coaching comes in. If you're more focused on continuing to improve your body composition, we'll continue to drive carbs up. If you're more focused on maintenance slash lifestyle flexibility, do you prefer more carbs or more fat? Whichever you tend to prefer is what we're going to increase more. So really approximately 75% of what the client prefers and 25% of the other macro is the ratio that we use with clients here. Now finally, you need to know when to stop your reverse diet. There's really two things to look for here. One, trunk measurements and weight are staying relatively stable. So again, fluctuations of plus or minus 0.25 to 0.5 inches are normal. But larger increases for multiple weeks here indicate you've likely passed maintenance. That said, realize that most clients will also be capable of building some lean muscle at maintenance. Now this is especially true for newer online clients that have never spent an extended period of time eating more and following a smart training program like our online clients do. So sometimes we'll see an increase in weight across the course of the weeks. And this is why it's important that we're also tracking body measurements because some of this could be muscle. Now, most online clients will have a trouble spot. They really wanted to focus on losing fat from during the fat loss phase. This seems to be the last place that said client loses from their body. Now it's likely that the end of the client's diet phase was finally shedding the fat from their quote unquote trouble spot. After that, said client is probably content with their current level of leanness and ready to focus on maintenance. Now conveniently, the last place we seem to lose fat from also seems to be the first place we were gaining. This means that in a case where your client is gaining a bit of weight, 
but you think it could be lean muscle, not fat, it makes sense to look at measurement increases at the client's quote unquote trouble spot as a sign that they're potentially gaining fat. And really for 90% of clients, this trouble spot will be their navel measurements, but occasionally it will be the hips as well. So if we start to see consecutive weeks of measurement increases at the trouble spot, it's a good sign that body fat is being gained. And then finally, we wanna ensure that biofeedback is normal to end the diet. One more time, we all have a certain body fat percentage quote unquote floor. Below this body fat percentage, you'll struggle with hunger, being food focused, low energy, poor hormones, and building muscle is very unlikely. As we've discussed, many of your hormones are a product of the amount of body fat you're carrying. So no matter how much food you're eating, you'll still feel shitty below your quote unquote body fat floor. Well, you can dip below this floor for short periods of time. So for example, for a photo shoot, living below it is not healthy or sustainable. So the reality is occasionally clients will have to add back a bit of body fat in order to return biofeedback to healthy levels and quit feeling like a zombie. If a client's biofeedback, so really these are weekly measurements our clients take or not measurements, but ratings our clients give us for things like sleep, stress, motivation, mood, training performance, etc. If these are so poor, they likely need to continue to re the reverse diet. A good example of this is clients we get ready for photo shoots, like most, a couple of the most recent ones being my clients Jeff and Dave. They both got super lean, but in their specific cases, this was lean to the point where it wasn't sustainable because their biofeedback was poor. They weren't going to be able to build muscle or continue to improve their physiques long-term in the state, which is a great example of where adding body fat back is actually needed. Now on the flip side, normalized biofeedback is a good sign that you can end the reverse diet process. So whether you're a coach or simply someone coaching yourself, I hope that this episode helped clear up some confusion around reverse dieting. If you're ready to fully commit to a customized training and nutrition protocol and finally take your physique to the next level, click the link in the show notes to apply for online coaching with us. And finally, if you found this episode valuable, do me a huge favor, take a screenshot of this podcast on your phone, share it to Instagram, and tag me at Jeremiah Bear. I want to thank you for listening, and you're really helping me grow the reach of the show and help more people just like you. All right, that is all I have for you guys for today. Thank you for tuning in.